Um, we start a brand new series today entitled Sticks and Stones. And uh, today we're going to be focusing on, on David and his encounter with a giant. And if you've been in the church for three years, you, you've heard a, a snippet of what I'm going to be talking to you about today. I've refreshed something, and uh, God's given me some tremendous revelation. There's two wonderful people, uh, Pat Weech and Carol Page, who gave me a brand new devotional book that is absolutely changing my life. It's called The Book of Mysteries by Jonathan Cain. And if you do not have it, I would encourage you to go out and buy that. Is there anyone that, that you have that book? Let me see your hands. Boy, quite a few of you. Listen, I would encourage you to go out and get it. I believe Costco has those. But I want to talk to you about the life of David through the lens of the, the weapon that he chose, if you will, to bring down a giant. You see, 3,000 years ago on a battlefield in Palestine, a shepherd boy, just a little shepherd boy, felled a mighty warrior with nothing more than a staff, a sling, and a stone. I want to talk to you today about sticks and stones. Would you please go to your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40. Well, if I could, let's look at verse 29. It ends with saying, is there not a cause? Here's young David. Scholars believe him to be about 14 to 16 years old. He sees an opportunity for God to show off. He sees the people of God shrieking back because of the size of a warrior in the natural, and he has the audacity to say, is there not a cause? And I wonder what would happen if the Holy Spirit of God himself would mark his people and we would get strong and courageous in the faith and recognize there is a cause in the world today. Can you scream amen? So he says, is there, is there not a cause? And I'd like to pick it up, and we're going to be reading throughout the story in my points. Look at verse 40. And he took his staff. Notice his staff. I want to talk to you about sticks and stones today. He took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones, sticks and stones, from the brook. And he put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Father, would you bless this uh, message? Father, I thank you just for the fresh revelation that you've shared with me. And, uh, and Lord, it's not stopping today. I'm going to be researching this, and, and we're going to be talking about this because, Lord, this was an impossible situation, and yet you showed up. And God, this mighty victory changed the world. And God, I know that there, uh, there are people on all of our campuses people who are watching right now online, that there's some pretty big, formidable giants in their life that are staring them down. Maybe the last thing in their, their mind when they go to sleep, the first thing on their heart when they wake up. So God, you're going to share some principles today that is going to allow you in us and through us to slay every single giant that we will ever face. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. If you want to receive that prayer and you want to be able to slay the giants in your life, can we just prophetically put our hands together and say, God, I'm going to do it with your power in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So I want to talk to you today about sticks and stones. Specifically, I want to talk about the five stones that David chose and their significance. 
and their significance. How many recognize there are no accidents in the Word of God? If something is in the Word of God, we want to study it, we want to apply it, and we want to live it. Can you say amen? So there's nothing uh, insignificant in the Word of God. So I want to talk to you about the five smooth stones that David chose in the brook. You know, you got to understand sometimes victory comes from the river. Victory, victory comes from the brook. So number one, would you write this down? The first stone was the stone of his past. The stone of his past. In the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 17, we'll begin reading in verse 34 now. But David said to Saul, this is King Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came he took a, and took a lamb out of its flock, he went out and he struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. You go, David. Man, I'd be running away. He ran toward And the Bible goes on to say that he struck it and he killed it. Verse 36, your servant has killed both a lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. How many recognize the God that we serve? He is a living God. Can you say a good amen? So he has defiled. I, I, I love that. Is there not a cause? Uh, he said, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Verse 37, moreover, David said, the Lord, notice who he's giving credit and looking toward. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me. I'm, I'm going to ask all of you to circle those words. He will deliver me. Might not look good today, but I'm here to tell you the Word of God promises us that if we will focus on Him, our foe is a defeated foe, that He will deliver you from the snare, from the enemy in Jesus' name, from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So number one, number one, the first smooth stone, it represented David's past. It's interesting that day, according to the Word of God, Goliath jogged David's memory. While everyone else quivered, David remembered. Remember, they were on two sides of the valley, and they were scared to death of the armies and Goliath. But while they quivered, David remembered. He, he remembered the time that God had come through and enabled him to, to kill a lion and to kill a bear. You need to understand, if we will remember the goodness of God, it will increase the faith in our life. What I am learning, and I'd encourage you to write this down, I am learning to write today's worry in sand and to chisel yesterday's victories in stone. I want to say it again. I'm learning to write today's worries in sand and chisel yesterday's victories in stone. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 12, remember his marvelous works which he has done. How many recognize our God is the God of the miracle? Can you say amen? I've just seen too much. How many in the house, you have literally seen a bona fide miracle from the nail-pierced hand of the Lord himself? Let me see your hands all over the building. Now I want everyone to look around. Just keep your hand up. Look around, church. These are people, not just the preacher. 
these are people who have literally witnessed and experienced a miracle that they'll never, ever forget. I, I don't have a problem with faith because I, I've just seen too many miracles in my life. I, I'm reminded of, of one of the greatest miracles I've ever seen when God raised my daughter Bethany from the dead. How many recognize when God raises someone from the dead, that's a miracle. I recently saw something on social media about a a preacher in Africa who got busted for saying he raised someone from the dead and the boy wasn't dead and it was just a uh, just a, a lie. But I literally have seen God raise my daughter from the dead, from the bottom of a swimming pool. Her heart wasn't beating. There was no breath in her lungs. She was gone. Grandma and Grandpa were there. We saw a miracle in Bethany's life, didn't we? Can we just give the the, the miracle God a great big hand? I've just seen so many miracles. I've seen him save someone out of an illicit, horrible lifestyle. And then I saw God heal him, heal him of the HIV virus. He's still serving the Lord. He's still alive and vibrant. He FaceTimes me and sends me a PM about once every two weeks. How many recognize there's nothing that our God cannot do? Um, Tom, where are you at? Tom Melton, stand up. I want you to stand up because I know you are so sore from the race yesterday. You can barely walk. With my own eyes... And prior to that miracle in the hospital room, you need to understand, your mama, your daddy, your pastor, we had been praying for you that you would give your life to Christ and stop doing the stupid and get on the rock, Christ Jesus, and God would save you and change your life. Well, he had a horrible mountain bike accident and broke his neck. He couldn't move from his neck down. But we saw God not only get him up out of a wheelchair, but save his soul. Can we put our hands together and say, thank you, God, you are the God of the miracle. I've just seen too many, I've seen too many miracles. How many are here last Sunday? Let me see your hands. The, the, I, I believe it was the 1130 water baptismal service. Dear Lord, there was a young man in the water with me. And his brother was standing over here, and I said, hey, I want you to share the story. What's going on? And his brother grabbed the microphone, and he was shaken, scared to death. And he just said, this is the last of my brothers that I've been praying for their salvation. He's saved now, and he's getting baptized in water today. Can we put our hands together and say, God still heals. God still saves. Amen. God still feels with the Holy Spirit, with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues. We had another member who was baptized in the Holy Spirit last week. I'm just trying to tell you the God that we serve, He's not dead. He is the living God, and His name is Jesus. Can you scream amen? I just have seen too many things, too many things. So listen, when trouble comes, remember, I, I, I want to I give you a life, life lesson with each point. I want you to write this down, and we're going to scream out the life lessons in just a few moments. So life lesson number one, catalog God's faithfulness in your life. Catalog the faithfulness of God in your life. So that the next time, not if trouble comes, but when trouble comes, 
You, 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 can, you can go back to the journal. You can go back and you can categorize the, the miracle of God. And, and you can read about the faithfulness of God. If God did it yesterday, how many recognize he can do it today? The second stone that I want to talk to you about is the stone of prayer and proclamation. Prayer and proclamation. And I'm going to do a teaching on, 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 on what happened that day in just a moment. I almost want to do it right now, but I've got to go through my notes here. We need to understand the second stone represented prayer and proclamation, verse 45 and 46. The Bible said, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my, what does your Bible say? Hand. I want you to underline those words. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I want you to remember that. Into my hand, the Bible said, and I will strike you and I will take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, all that the earth may, that all in the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Can you say amen? How important is prayer in the life of a believer? They say a man or a woman is only as good as their prayer life. He had this mighty prayer and proclamation. The proclamation wasn't based upon he was 14 to 16 years old, little skinny, scrawny, good-looking guy with a staff, with a stone, with a pouch and a sling. No, his confidence and his proclamation came from his pursuit of God, listen closely, when no one was watching on the backside of the mountain, developing his prayer life, developing his, getting his praise and his worship on, being a sweet-smelling savor and aroma to the nostrils of God. Little David didn't proclaim he was great. He proclaimed that God was great. You're only as good as your prayer life. Now, let me ask you a couple of thought-provoking questions. Let's fast forward a few years in David's life. I wonder if David spent much prayer the night he seduced Bathsheba. Look at your neighbor and say, ouch. I wonder if he wrote a psalm on the day that he had Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, killed. It's absolutely vital that you not stray from your prayer life and your pursuit of Almighty God. But how many grateful for second chances? <laughs> David, he was a man after God's own heart. Not Moses, not Abraham, David. The Bible says after he had served his generation, he died and was buried with his family was the prayer of David that brought forth the victory. There are people here that today, if you didn't have a praying parent, you wouldn't even be alive today. You wouldn't even be alive. If it was not for a praying parent, a praying grandparent, you know why I'm alive today? I used to do stupid really good. I had a praying nana. She was a staunch Southern Baptist. 
And I have about a year of Southern Baptist in me as just a little boy, probably 10 years old. And can I say that we in the Assemblies of God can learn a lot from our Southern Baptists. They can put on a banquet or, or, or a potluck like, like we need to learn to do that. But, you know, my Nana would tell me, Mont, I'm praying for you. And I hated it. I'd ask her to stop. Nana, it's not working. And then 20 years of age, God honored her prayers that she had been praying for me probably every day of my life. How many in the house, you got a nana, you got a papa, you got a mama, you got a daddy, you got somebody in your life that wouldn't stop praying for you? Let me see your hands. So I pray in Jesus' name, those of you who got a prodigal, you see, you'll see the hands in this building. And God will give you faith, and He'll give you a proclamation. It might not look good today, but my son, my daughter, they're going to serve the Lord. You can make a public proclamation regarding your family. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Um, Anybody listen to Dave Ramsey? I, I, I really like that guy. Christian, there can be no peace without the Prince of Peace. He always ends his show. Financial guy. But I heard him, I've heard him say several times, if any of my children fall out of faith, they're getting nothing. That might be a little more incentive for them to serve the Lord. I, I don't know. But you can proclaim, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have told Bethany and Ryan and our grandchildren, we will, we will raise you up in the Christian faith. We want our grandchildren to be strong, vibrant, spirit-filled Christians, gifted from God, called into ministry. Because if you know the Lord, how many recognize you are called into ministry? So it was a prayer and it was a proclamation. We're only as good as our prayer life. It just blows my mind that we can communicate with Almighty God. I mean, we can communicate with Almighty God. And if we're still and if we're open and if we stop being so busy, He wants to communicate with us. I told you about the devotional book. I'm just going to give you the book and the author Next time I preach this, I'm just going to take credit for this. Listen to this. This is from Jonathan Kahn. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created. That's Elohim. God created. The word Elohim is letting you know that whatever you think God is, He's more than that. Whatever you think God is, He's more than than that. No matter how good you think God is, He's better. Somebody say amen. No matter how beautiful, how majestic, how amazing you think He is, He's more beautiful, He's more majestic, and He is more amazing. No matter how awesome you think He is, He is more awesome than that. So what does that reveal? It reveals that no matter how much you think you know about God, there's always more to know. So much more, and so much more than so much more. So never, ever stop seeking the Lord. Can you say amen? It's more. It's above. He's beyond. His name is Elohim, and of His awesomeness, there will be no end. will be no end. He's God, and you can communicate with Him, and He's desirous to communicate with you. 
About 95% of the time that God, that I hear the voice of the Lord, is when I'm reading my Bible. When I read my Bible. But also, I, I, I'm not one of these that can just stay in one place and pray. Is there anyone else you're a pacer? Yeah, I, I can't talk on the phone. People, they, my staff, they all, family, they laugh at me. I'm on the phone. I'm walking. Many times you call me. I'm walking around the church praying, doing laps. Um, but listen, oftentimes in prayer, I, I've learned that God will give me a word. And, and if I'll stop and, and write it down on my, my notes on my cell phone or wherever I am, maybe my iPad. Listen, I, I used to sleep with, I, I used to take notes like this. Some of you aren't aware of that. You take notes like, like this now. But, but I would always have a, a, a pad and a pen by the bed because it, it's wonderful, but sometimes it's a bummer when God wakes you up in the middle of the night to tell you something. But listen, when the Lord speaks to you, write it down. So here's our lesson. Before you face your Goliath, make sure you first face your God. The third stone is a stone of priority. In verse 47, we read, Then all this assembly of God, I mean, excuse me, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. Psalms chapter 20, verse 7, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember, remember the name of the Lord our God. Psalm chapter 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Psalm chapter 56, verse 9, when I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. When will they turn back? When we cry out to God. This I know because God is for me. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, we know this not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The battle is not a natural battle. The battle is a spiritual battle. So it's the stone of priority. This is so good. David saw Goliath as an opportunity for God to show off. I wonder what would happen if we faced our giants in the same way. That that doctor's report, that, that trial... That tribute, that, that battle, that bill. I wonder if we would have the mentality and the priority to say, oh, man, this is a big one. I don't know how I'm getting out of this, but God, it's going to be fun watching you. See, trials, tribulations, challenges, giants are an opportunity for God to show off. Sickness, it's an opportunity for God to show off. Loneliness, it's an opportunity for you to take a step outside of a comfort zone, join a group, and God to bring somebody special into your life. It's an op What about sin? What about addiction? It's an opportunity for God to showcase His amazing grace. Can you say amen? So life lessons, see your struggles as God's canvas to show off. Again, see your struggles as God's canvas to show off. The fourth stone is a stone of a passion, passion. Um, as a pastor and, and leading a whole bunch of pastors in six campuses now, um, and I, I travel and, and I'm blessed to, to preach to pastors. And I'll hear this quite often, we don't have the money for that. And I'll tell them, well, if you had passion for it, you'd find a way to fund that. There's something special about passion. Are you a passionate Christian? 
What, what brings passion into your life? Whether it's creating something, an art piece, a mural, what brings passion? You know what passion is? Passion is that ability to give back to God what He's placed in you. That's what passion is. What are you passionate for? And I want to be passionate for building up the body of Christ. I want to be passionate for encouraging people. I want to be passionate by saying, oh, I got faith. I'm praying with you. I'm gonna, you're not alone. I'm walking with you, and I'm praying for you. I want to be filled with passion for the things of the Lord and for God's people. How many are with me? Can you say amen? So it was passion. Notice the direction that David ran. I mean, in the natural, I, 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 would, I would be running the opposite way. But he was linked into something that was not natural. He was linked into faith in an almighty God. And the Bible said that he ran not away, but he ran to Goliath. That is passion. Do you know that in the ancient army, there were three types of warriors? Number one, this is very, very interesting. Number one, there was the cavalry. These were armed men on horseback or chariots. Number two, it was the inf infantry, foot soldiers wearing armor, carrying swords and shields. And number three was the artillery, projectile warriors, archers, and you're going to love this, slingers. Archers and slingers. How many recognize David was a slinger? Listen to this. In the right hands, the sling was an absolutely devastating weapon. I had no idea how much until I, really, until I really dug into this passage. Listen, paintings from the medieval times show slingers hitting birds out of the air. An experienced slinger could kill or injure someone up to 200 yards. In the right hands, a slinger's stone would have the same impact as a medium-sized handgun. And a lot of times we just think, well, it's just it's a little stone, you know, we can throw this. No, in the hands of a slinger, this thing was absolutely devastating. So here's David with a sling, a stick, a staff, a stone, sticks and stones. And here's mighty Goliath with an armor bearer, by the way. And it said, I studied this. It is said that within one second after David put the, the rock in his sling, Goliath was belly up. One second. You know, we think this thing, it takes, you know, a minute or something. But it literally, six to seven revolutions and it would have the power of a mid-size handgun. In the natural, what kind of odds do you give David? Little skinny, scrawny, good-looking David. Big old hairy, ugly Goliath who was over nine feet tall. Do you know the tip of his spear weighed 15 pounds? His helmet weighed 125 pounds. And he had an armor bearer in front of him. What were the odds that day? Ever feel like the odds are against you? 
In the natural, it might seem that way. But aren't you grateful we serve a God that moves in the supernatural? It wasn't David that didn't have a chance. It was that big old ugly Goliath that didn't have a chance because God was on David's side. Can you say amen? Sticks and stones. Nobody believed in David that day. Not the Philistines, not the Hebrews, not David's brothers, not David's king, but God did. So here's our life lesson. Would you write this down? You and God will always be the majority. You and God will always be the majority. And I'm going to ask each and every one of you to pray for our children, our young people, and our young adults. They are facing things that we never, ever dreamed of. And don't you know, they need to understand that them and God, they and God, one with God is the majority. Finally, the fifth stone is a stone of persistence. Stone of persistence. There's nothing worse than a flash in the pan. A pastor that will go into ministry at the the ripe old age of 20 years old, and by the time they hit 60 years old, only 10% are still in ministry. Be persistent in your walk with God. Don't be a flash in the pan. The Bible says in verse 50, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, sticks and stones, and struck the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Verse 51, this is crazy. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Probably ought to ask Pastor Eddie how he teaches this to our children. Nightmares for months. Remember, David tried on Saul's armor, and it was too big. Didn't have a sword. So he prevailed over the giant. It's like the ultimate diss. With Goliath's own sword, he cut off Goliath's head. Wasn't enough that he killed the giant, but with his own sword, cut off the head of the giant. Now listen, I need you to go back to verse 43, or excuse me, 46 with me. This day, he's speaking this to Goliath and the Philistine army. This day the Lord will deliver you into, what does your Bible say? My hand. Crazy thing about the head of Goliath. Little skinny, scrawny, good-looking David. After that battle, he took the head of Goliath with him everywhere he went. Isn't that crazy? You think, just bury that bad boy. No, he took it every single place that he went. Really? Verse 54, And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put on his armor in his tent. 
He took the head of the Philistine to Jerusalem. That's just one verse. Verse 57. Then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, Abner took him and brought him before Saul, before Saul the king, with the head of the Philistine in his hand. There's some of you, you've never seen that before. It's crazy. What does that represent? The victories that God brings in your life. Don't sweep them under the carpet and hide them. Hold them up for the world to see. Preach through your scars. Live through your scars. I I at one time was a drug addict. I, I was, man, I was messed up. But God slayed that giant in my life, and I am now clean. I'm no longer addicted to drugs. I'm addicted to Jesus. Somebody scream amen. There's a world out there. It's filled with giants. Filled with people facing impossible odds. Why don't you hold the head of your addiction up high? The head of your past up high. The head of your abandonment up high. The head of your giant up high. Because there are people on the battlefield and there's a big old ugly giant looking their way, staring them down, threatening their life, threatening their livelihood. Why don't we as a blood-bought, spirit-filled body of Christ not be ashamed of our scars, but hold up the head of those big ugly giants high so we can say, if God can save me, he can save you. If God can heal my body, God can heal your body. It's time for the church to stand as one and hold up the, 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 the giants that God has slayed in our lives so the world can see that there is hope and there is help. If you're with me, stand to your feet all over the building. I'm going to hold up high the giants that are in my life, that God has slayed in my life. I'm no longer a drug addict. I'm no longer addicted. I'm a born-again, spirit-filled believer. <laughs> Look at the head of what God has brought me through. got a lot of other stuff I wanted to say, but I'm going to land here. Would you close your eyes and just bow your hearts before the Lord? Father, thank you. What a tremendous way to start our brand new series, Sticks and Stones. Someone so unassuming, so young, so innocent. Yet God, you use David in a powerful way to slay a foe of your people. And Lord, we understand many giants, many giants roaming around today. Oh, they may not have the name of Goliath. Maybe they have the name of addiction, pornography, unfaithfulness. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would slay giants today. That you would set your people free today. And God, that they would recognize walking in freedom, how, how do I do that? By holding up high that addiction. What was staring them down, high for the world to see. I'm not, I'm not who I used to be. 
I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things are past. Behold, everything in my life is new. A new creation. I'm a new person in God. No more excuses. I'm getting serious today, Father. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need Jesus. I need to be saved today. I need to be born again. I'm not where I should be with the Lord. Those of you watching online, I'm asking you, where are you with God? And if you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need Jesus. I need to re- reconnect with the Lord. I've fallen away, but I'm going to stand strong in the things of God. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I need to recommit and reconnect today. Pastor, pray for me. Can I see your hands all over the building? Just raise it high. God bless you. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. God bless you, sir. Lord bless you, ma'am. And sweetheart, it is so good to see you. Five years and you're home today. God bless you. Anyone else? Let me see your hands. Bless you, buddy. Bless you, buddy. I've got to believe that there are people online right now that God's wanting to touch you and change you as well. Um, could I ask everyone to repeat this very simple yet life-changing prayer out loud after me? It's a prayer that I learned from my spiritual father, Pastor E.E. E. Smith from Oroville First Assembly of God. And with this prayer, he led me out of drug addiction, out of the flames of hell, and I was saved and born again, and my life changed. To those of you who raise your hands, I want you to pray with all of your heart, and, and, and uh, we're just a big family, so we're all going to be praying this right alongside of you. Would you repeat these words out loud after me? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. Father, please forgive me for the mistakes that I have made for the sin in my life. I'm sorry and I repent. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, raised to life on the third day according to Scripture. Today, I call upon the name of the Lord and I invite Jesus Christ to change me to live in me, to love me, to forgive me, to change me. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.